This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. I had some wonderful conversations with some friends who heard the the message on podcast and one of them said, yeah, but you know, those predictions were made long before and someone could have really done everything they could to line up all of those. And I said, well, 300, I mean, that's a lot, but, uh, but, but perhaps, perhaps you could line up a bunch of those if you had the resources and you can't really explain how they would have gotten those resources, but perhaps. And then we came to the second miracle and the second miracle is the miracle of conception, and, and, and I had another family member say, well, they could have just, you know, Mary and Joseph could have just, you know, lied about the virgin birth, and they could have just said, well, that's, that, that was one of the predictions, so that, that's something they had to say, and, and uh, but I have to tell you, last week, when we talked about the perfection miracle, I think that's one of the greatest um, proofs of our faith. The fact that Jesus said he was perfect, and no one... Not, not, not even his own family could point out his imperfections. Let me just, you know, be real with you for a minute. I mean, every time I'm with my family, and I love them dearly, but they point out my imperfections, okay? Um, you know, the little cousins are telling, you know, you know, pointing out how out of shape I am, you know, when we're playing football or whatever. And the, uh, the, you know, the, the older ones want to tell me how I'm too religious or, you know, some people are too this or too that. And how many of you know, family, they're just brutally honest when it comes to stuff like that. And some of us will be around uh, extended family and that'll be fun. Uh, but, but let me just say something, that Jesus promised that he would come and live the life we couldn't live, and he was the perfection miracle. But if you believe all of those explanations that I just threw out there, and I threw that out there not, not to make you doubt, but to tell you that, that if you throw out all of the, the other miracle, all the other three miracles that we've looked at, you cannot explain the protection miracle. And that's the miracle I want to look at today from Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, I believe the greatest miracle is the fact that there were multiple people who we'll talk about today who wanted Jesus dead and they had every resource possible to 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 end his life and when he was the most vulnerable God protected him what Mary and Joseph could not have done to protect them they, 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 they could have made their best plans to try to protect them, and it wouldn't have worked. Only God could have protected the infant son uh, of Jesus. Now, uh, when, when I say that you know, they wanted him uh, to, to, to be dead, I'm, I'm pointing out the fact that there was uh, a lot of insecurity. There was a lot of um, maybe fear, uh, there a lot of... Um, uh, difficult nights, probably some sleepless nights uh, for Mary and Joseph who had just, you know, um, Mary had just given birth uh, to the Christ child. Now there is a group of men with all the resources of Rome seeking to end his life. And it didn't make them feel safe. You know one of the things that God has built into every person in this room? We all want to feel safe. We all, we all have insecurities, and we all want to feel safe, and there's certain things we do to make ourselves feel safe, and there's certain things we do to protect the ones that we want to be safe. Uh, for instance, it's very cold out there, and a lot of families are, are wanting to bundle up their little ones, and, and, and so they shouldn't. You know what? Our culture's gotten really creative. Like I saw this hat that not only protects the top of the head, but also the chin and face, Okay. Uh, that's, that's pretty, that, that is pretty uh, creative. They've also gotten pretty creative with our pillows, okay? This is an ostrich pillow, okay? And it's something you can wear at work to get a quick nap. I'm not sure if your boss would approve, okay? Uh, but, you, you know, you can lean against things. You can even, if, you just, if your boss just doesn't care, you can even lay on your desk and put your hands in, all right? And it's supposed to make you feel safe and warm. 
and I'm not sure how good it is for productivity. But maybe if you once you get a nap, maybe you can go right back uh, to working hard. But regardless of what makes us feel safe, um, the reality was that it would be like Mary and Joseph. Uh, it would be like if if you got a letter in the mail or you got a call or a text that Gavin Newsom wanted you dead. And that everyone in the, in the, in the government, you know, in, in Sacramento and in Washington, D.C., that they were okay with, with hunting you down. I mean, this is, you know, if we put this in a modern-day context, it really changes things. I mean, what if there was an Amber Alert, but not to save a child, to kill a child? I mean, think about that. That is what was happening they had, put, they had put out the word. I mean, uh, Caesar Augustus, the, who, who we'll talk about on Tuesday night for our candlelight service, I mean, he, he was the most powerful man in the world at that time. And he had given a, a governor, Herod, he had given him full permission uh, to hire, to fire, to kill, to execute. I mean, all of that. And when, when Herod wanted you dead, you were as good as dead. Bless you. Now, when, when we come to this story, we have to realize that regardless of what, what fallacies have been, have been popularized by undocumented sources and, and, and sources that cannot be trusted, both scholarly, uh, you know, from, from, from a scholarly standpoint, from an archaeological standpoint, from a historical standpoint, Okay, and there's other gospels out there that are unsubstantiated. I mean, they're they're not trustworthy. So no one trusts them. Not only not not just Christians, but even non-Christians who are thinking people don't trust these sources. And when they say that Mary and Joseph kind of popularized this idea that their son was the Christ child, they there are so many holes in that. One of the holes is that there were not enough resources for them to run from the law. How in the world? Did this happen? And so, to get the context, because I think that every time that we come into a passage, we need the context. So to get the context, I want you to uh, turn in your Bibles or, or open your notes and, and go to Matthew chapter 2. Because Matthew chapter 2, one of the Christmas passages, it starts with a lot of information. The first like two verses gives us so much information. I don't want to miss it because that's the foundation. And I think sometimes we read these stories and we read places and we read things and we skip over the meaning of them. Uh, we don't realize what it's trying to message to us and we've lost in 2,000 years the significance of some of these things. So let's look at verse number 1 of chapter 2. It says, and when Jesus, Yeshua, or the Greek word Isis, okay, Jesus, uh, um, was born in Bethlehem. So it's the, it's the Beth, the house of Laham, bread. Uh, house of bread, home of David. Okay, let's keep reading. Um, of Judea in the days of Herod. Herod meaning uh, the, the, the uh, son of a hero. Uh, hero Ad, so son of Hero, the regional manager, okay, or governor of Judea, of this section of the Roman Empire, okay. Um, I think we have a, a picture of Bethlehem. You can kind of see uh, where what it looks like today, uh, but uh, minus some of the modern structures, it was a terraced, uh, hilly, um, rugged terrain, okay. Um, high desert, if uh, again, uh, as much of Israel is. Um, and then here's a picture of Herod. Herod was a harsh man. Uh, Herod uh, was called Herod the Great, not because he was a great guy, but because he had built great things. Okay, He was a horrible guy. Um, Herod was, was so horrible, he killed one of, the, one of his wives and um, put her in honey jars. Okay, so in his bedroom. That, that's just weird, okay? That's, that's gross, it's weird, it's sadistic. Uh, he had mental issues, okay? So that's Herod, all right, the king. And he was called the king because he was the governor or king over Judea. Obviously, the Jews didn't think of him as their king, but, but nonetheless, he called himself the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east. They, they, they were coming from the east to Jerusalem, now let me tell you, this was a long walk, okay? In fact, I googled it, okay? So this is how long the walk was. It was 400 hours, 
Okay? So this is modern-day Iran. We think they came from somewhere around Tehran, uh, modern-day Tehran. That would have been the, the central hub. These were rulers. These were leaders. In fact, the, the, we'll come back to this, but guys, put up what the wise men, it's, it's, it's Magos, um, uh, not to be confused with Mega, okay, but Magos, um, Persian, um, the, the, when, it, when the word is used great in, in Greek, it's, it's mega, but magos is, is this Persian uh, oriental astronomer, but it was more than that. They were rulers. So these people had influence. They had knowledge. They were, they were probably governors in their own right. We don't know if there were three. We, there were probably uh, dozens of them who, who made the journey, and it was probably several hundred soldiers. I mean, this was a big entourage that was coming into Jerusalem, which was why everyone thought that they were coming to kind of conquer. They weren't coming to conquer. They were just coming uh, to ask. So here, here's the journey they made. They made the journey from modern-day Iran all the way through. They, would have, they, they probably would not have come through here. There's no water sources here. They probably would have come up top and then dropped down through modern-day Lebanon uh, into, through Galilee into Jerusalem. Okay, So let's keep reading. All right. So, um, so they came from the east, from Persia. Um, and by the way, that was the only place they could have come from, which, which, which will make sense in a minute, to Jerusalem. Now, the word Jerusalem is, is a very ironic word because the word Jerusalem here is the, it means the city of God. Uh, Jeru, okay, and then Salem, uh, which is derived from a word for God that means peace. And, and Jeru uh, is also a, a word that's used for the foundation. So literally, one of the most war-torn cities in the world, it means the foundation of peace. Um, and, and, but, but Jesus is, is not coming out of Jerusalem. He's not being protected by someone in Jerusalem. Jerusalem had all the resources. Jerusalem had all, the, all of the religion. Jerusalem had everything that you would normally think would be fit for a king. And God chose not to use any of the resources in Jerusalem. He chose to use things outside of strength outside of what was supposed to be the place for a king. He used everything outside of the norm to show that it was him. Now let me just say something. That God often, oftentimes, will use miraculous people and places. Um, and in fact, he used three different places we're going to look at today. But he uses people and places that aren't the norm. The, the people that you wouldn't think would be a help. The places you wouldn't think would, would, would come the, the resources you need, the help you need. He likes to use things outside of the ordinary to show the miraculous. He wants to show us through this passage that he can do anything through anyone and anywhere, including here. So, he says, so, so this is the story, this is the context. So here's what the wise men said. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now, that was obviously a problem because Herod was super, super uh, paranoid. I mean, he was as paranoid as Hitler and all the other, you know, Stalin, all the other leaders who, who, who didn't want to lose power. I mean, he was incredibly paranoid. So when they're just marching in with hundreds of soldiers like, hey, where is this king? He's like, you're talking to him. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that was his title that he uh, self-proclaimed put on himself. So, we have seen his star in the east. I know what Herod's thinking. Where's my star? Why didn't you see my star? Now, in these days, they would have they picked out stars, and they would have named stars after them. Uh, one of the most lame gifts you can ever give a family member is name a star after them. Okay? Please don't do that. And if you have before... Uh, write an apology note. That's, that's terrible, okay? Because those stars had already been named, okay, for, for centuries. So we're just kind of playing games with that. Um, but then it says, and we've come to worship him. So they didn't come to worship Herod, okay? They came to worship this other king. This is not, this is not sitting well with Herod. And when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled. And because he was troubled, all Jerusalem with him. If Herod's troubled, you're troubled if you're living under uh, his reign. Verse 4, 
when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together and he demanded where this Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Remember Micah 5.2? We, we studied that. That's one of the predictions, the eight predictions we looked at. Thou Bethlehem, in the land of, of, of Judah, uh, art thou not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor, capital G. Okay, so it's talking about a divine governor um, uh, that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently. So he had gotten his little rant out to his people. Now he's trying to be diplomatic. And he said, said diligently what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Obviously that was a lie. Okay? So there are three locations that we just read about here. Three locations, and we will read actually a third location. Two locations, one, one we're about to read. Persia, okay? Then they're going to go to Egypt, all right? Then they're going to go to Nazareth, to, to, to back to Galilee, okay? So, so three different locations that are mentioned in this passage, and I want to look at them because they're three ways that God reveals himself to us, okay? We're going to look at these quickly, so, so keep up in the notes. I believe this will be a blessing to you. Number one, God revealed his love through Persia. Why did God send people from the east to the west to find Jesus? God could have sent anyone from anywhere. Why did he choose the east? Why did he choose the Persian kingdom? And one of the things that's remarkable is when you read the Old Testament, you realize that God was, was using the eastern Babylonian empires to teach Israel that God's in control of who's in control. And can I just say to you today that God is still in control of who's in control? I don't care who's in the White House, uh, who's our mayor, our governor. I don't care who's in control. Ultimately, God is in control. Now, a lot of people say, well, yeah, that's the problem. God's in control and he's not doing anything. Just uh, hold on, hold on. God's bigger than any political system. God's bigger than any problem our, our country or culture or, or family faces. God is bigger. And I believe God is showing us through the, the, the Magi coming from the east, 400 hours away. It took them weeks to get there. Some people believe even months. Okay, so Jesus was a young child when they, when they showed up. So he was probably one or two years old when they got there. So this is after Jesus' birth, and, and here they're showing up. And I believe God is messaging to us that he loved his son, and he loved us enough to protect his son through the Magi. Now, how did, how did this happen? Well, look, let's look at verse number 9. Okay, just going verse by verse through this chapter. We'll read the whole chapter today as we go through. And when they had heard the king, Herod, they departed and lo, the star. It, it's, the word, it's the beginning of the word asteroid. Okay, I don't believe it was an asteroid because asteroids don't stop and hover unless God wants them to, of course. So maybe it was, but I don't know. I think it was more of a planet aligning or something or a miraculous star. But lo, the star which they saw in the east, so, so the star wasn't in the east, obviously they were in the east when they saw it. And if you break this down in the Greek and all of that in Hebrew, you can kind of see that they weren't seeing, the, the star wasn't located in the east, it was located in the west, but they were seeing it in the east. Went before them till uh, it came and stood over where the young child was. So obviously it got bright enough to pinpoint an exact location. You say, ah, that, that's not possible. Ha, have you ever noticed uh, in, in, in the Antelope Valley that sometimes when the clouds are breaking up, there'll be a ray of sunshine on like one house? Or like, there's been multiple times, I have pictures of this, where, where the sun has, has just kind of come right down on this building. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, I see you, you know. Um, but, but, but the point is, regardless, okay, and we had that happen, uh, I've, I've told the story about a baptism, we were praying the Lord would stop the, the, the rain, and, and man, the sun came right down and hit the baptism, and it was awesome, okay, we all freaked out, and, and it was great, that was our first baptism service, okay. Um, so, um, 
where was I? I get derailed. So let's go back to the Bible. Anytime I, I lose my train of thought, I go, go back to the Bible here. Okay. So uh, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Kara uh, is the name for it. It's a, it's a great study. If you ever want to study that word, you can, you can, you can look it up, uh, Google it, uh, YouTube, that, that Greek word. It's a wonderful word, lots of depth with that word, uh, so, much diff- so much greater than happiness, as I talked about earlier. Verse number 11, and when they were come into the house, so now he's not in a stable, now Jesus is in a house, and he's in a house in Bethlehem. Now, we know from historical documents, okay, that, that Je- Jesus was meant to grow up by Joseph and Mary. They wanted to raise him in Bethlehem. There were a few reasons for that. Number one, they didn't want to go back to Nazareth, and neither would you, okay? So uh, all of the family that, that, that was brutally honest and that didn't believe the whole virgin birth story, and they were all back there. And, and Nazareth was not a great place to live. Bethlehem was a great place to live. They wanted to live in Bethlehem. So they're in the house in Bethlehem, and they saw the young chi- child with Mary, his mother. Notice it does not mention Joseph as the father. He was not the father, okay? There was a virgin birth. He was legally the father because he accepted responsibility through adoption. Okay, that's another great thought. But then they fell down, and they worshiped him. They did not worship Mary, We do not worship Mary because she is not deity. Jesus is deity. So here's this two-year-old Christ child. They are worshiping him. And when they had opened their treasures, oh, so now this is why God brought them, to shower love on his son. The son, his only begotten son, they they showered treasures. They, They presented him with gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They were showering these gifts, and God used Persia to protect his son, to allow uh, for his love. And you say, well, well, why? why? Why were these gifts? How was this gift's protection? Well, first of all, as long as they stayed, they had the protection of the Magi's army. A lot of times we don't think about that, but that Magi's army would have been surrounding that location where those governors from Persia would have been. So no one's going inside that house as long as those bodyguards are outside, right? You're not messing with that group. You start an international war, uh, that that would be a problem, okay? So so then they're giving these gifts, and and they weren't meant to make Mary and Joseph wealthy. I mean, when you give a million dollars to a baby, okay, uh, (laughs) that's great, okay? But but, that's the equivalence, okay? So some people say it was ah, was probably less. It was probably like 100,000. I I think it was closer to a million dollars. And you say, wow, they were instantly wealthy. Well, I'm going to explain to you what that was used. That was, was not meant for them to be wealthy. It was actually just used... Okay, the gifts were just used to make them ready for where God was leading them. They were about to to go on an incredible journey of their own, and they would have needed all that money uh, to 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 use to to go down to Egypt. So we'll see that. But let me let me show you what these gifts were. Okay, here here, here are the gifts. Okay, gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, and myrrh for a serious wound. Those were the gifts, and that's the significance of the gifts. That is why I I don't know if they knew these things with prophecy. I think they studied prophecy. I think they knew what they were giving to Jesus when they gave it to him. They knew that he would be both a king. That's what they said to, uh, to, to King Herod. They knew that he would be the high priest. They knew that he, that, that he was not just a, 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 a you know, humanity, but he was deity. And I believe also they gave myrrh, which was only used uh, for, for someone who was either dead or dying to, to try to stop the bleeding. I believe that they believed what, what even the Jews didn't believe. That in Isaiah 53, that he was the wounded priest and king. That he came to be wounded for our transgressions, to bleed for, for our uh, uh, iniquities. And so here's the key thought of this point is that God promises to enable us for the next step, not the next several steps. You know what I think is interesting is that God gave this amazing gift to them, and they could have used it for themselves. How many of you know that Mary and Joseph could have used that money any way they wanted? 
But God was giving them that money for a specific purpose, for a next step. They would have to go and live in a pagan, foreign land for a long time. They would have to live in that land, that land of Egypt. And, and, and he's about to tell them to get out and go to Egypt. But, but there was absolutely no way for them to make their own 300-mile journey uh, down uh, through a very desertous terrain, through the Sinai Peninsula and, and, and past the Suez Canal. And, and, and they would have they made this incredible journey. They would have had to have the money uh, to buy a house and, a, and to start a brand new life. I mean, this was an incredible gift that God was giving them, but he gave them the gift for the purpose. And let me just tell you something, that God has a purpose for every single person in this room. And you... you you do not receive the purpose on accident or just by mistake or just one day wake up and say, wow, I'm living in my purpose. No, you step into your purpose. And so that's why I just believe in serving and I believe in, in obedience and I believe in the church. Why? Because we're stepping into our purpose. That every time we are living a life that God has called us to live, every step that we take inside the Christian life is a step into our purpose. And so the gifts were given on purpose, for a purpose that God was working, okay? So, so let me illustrate this way, okay? Can you, can you give me that treasure chest, all right? And we don't have any gold, okay? And, and I wasn't able to get any frankincense, okay? Um, or myrrh, all right? But I have the next best thing, okay? Blueberry donuts, all right? You can have one, all right? Now, there, there's this, there's this, um, and Joe, I'll let you pass them out, okay? You, you, just, you, just, you just go, you go, you go pass them around, okay? So, so here's the thing. When you receive something, like Christians just received something, okay? So if you want a donut, Pastor Joe has a donut, okay? This is, this is, this is fun time, okay? So, so w- when you're receiving something, okay, something of, of value, okay? So, so some of you are like, donuts do not have value. Okay, I, I get it, all right? I, I'm a fan of the, of the blueberry donut. You, you may not be. But, but regardless, when, some, when someone opens they're, they're uh, something that they have, okay? Something that they purchased or something that they have to you. There is a choice that's made when you're receiving something. You can either consume it like a blueberry donut, donut you can consume it, or you can invest it. And you say, there's no way to invest a blueberry donut, and that's my point, is God did not give things that were just meant for consumption he gave them specific things that was meant for their obedience and i want you to know that every time god gives us not just tangible things but every moment every breath we breathe everything that god does for us listen family listen it is for a purpose and that purpose is to lead us to the next step And every time we choose not to take that next step, God says, I I brought that into your life for a purpose. And and the one losing out when we don't take steps, it's us because we're not stepping into our purpose. The greatest amount of protection that we all can receive is when we're living out our purpose. I saw this with my sister. When my sister, she was married at 20, when my sister was married, right after she got married, they moved to St. Petersburg, Russia. And I remember my family criticizing her and her husband. And I remember the day when, when their apartment building was bombed by, the, by, by some people who were working as undercover agents of the KGB. I remember when they were looking for Andrew and wanting to, uh, to, 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 to uh, incarcerate him for some of the things he was doing religiously and as a missionary. And I, I remember those times. I remember her uh, making that conscious decision. But I, I remember her saying to me, even as a doubting teenager, I, I, I believe I'm more uh, safe in St. Petersburg, Russia than I would be uh, where all of our family where all of his family was from, where they used to live in San Diego, California. Why? Because they were living in their purpose. And one of the greatest things we can learn from the Christmas story is that when we are living out our purpose, we have God's protection. And so God used Persia to reveal his love. Gifts of love. Gifts of of, of love to God. Now the word Persia is a very unique word. 
And, and it's, it's a, obviously a, a region in Iran, but, but the word Persia is actually the word for a spear. This is the closest thing I could get. It's a wooden, just a wooden rod in the shape of a spear. But, but the spears that the Romans would use were, were, were uh, sharpened wood with a metal cap, or it was, it almost looked like something out of a, a, a book of, for, for um, Native Americans. I mean, they would tie these stones, uh, sharpened stones on, on top of rods. And, and when I saw that this word meant spear, I immediately thought of John 19, and it's in your notes. John 19 says uh, that they came, the, 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 the Roman soldiers under uh, now Herod Antipas's uh, rulership, uh, and they saw that he was dead already, and they break not his legs. One of the soldiers with a spear, the same word for Persia, with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came out blood and water. That, that the side of our Savior was pierced. And, and, and I think it's interesting that, that they came from Persia, uh, from the tip of the spear, to show love because the greatest thing that would ever happen was Jesus would be pierced physically for us so that we could be forgiven eternally. God was showering His love on Jesus because one day Jesus would shower His love Onto us. And so God revealed his love through Persia. Number two, God revealed his power through Egypt. And look at verse number um, 13. Verse number 13. It says, And when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. The word flee is the word for fugitive. It's, it's, it's literally the word uh, uh, fugitive, it, and it's, and it's the, the, the root word of the word that we use for fugitives. They were on the run. Now we'll be there until I bring you word. Now that's, that's fine for us to read, but that's not comforting to Mary and Joseph. So, you, so, you, so we're just going to be there. So we're going to live there. It, it, it could be one year, it could be ten years. You know what this is telling me? This is telling me that God's timing's not my timing. This is telling me that when God says, I'll bring you word, he'll bring you word. This is telling me that Mary and Joseph just trusted the word. I mean, this is telling me that when Mary said, uh, be it unto thee according to thy word, she actually meant it. And so God said, I will bring you word. I don't know, some of you may, may be in here waiting for a word from God. I believe that God will give you that word in His time, but I believe that you should be searching and, and, and in the Scriptures and living out your purpose, but God will bring you word. God will not hide from you what He wants you to do next. God will not hide from you His will. And so, uh, but, but they were hiding from Herod, and Herod will seek the young child to destroy him, to kill him. It actually brings two, two uh, parts to that word, torture and kill. What a sadistic man to torture a young child and then kill that child. Verse 14, and when he rose, he took the young child and his mother by night. They did not wait. By the way, I think it's really important not to wait if God lays something in your heart to do something for this week. Listen, don't wait till after the holidays. Go do it. If, if God's telling you to do something today, man, uh, that's not the devil. That's not you. Go do it. Make it happen. In verse 14, he, he, they, they, they went by night, they departed into Egypt. When he was there uh, until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord of the prophets, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Why would the prophet say, Out of Egypt have I called my son? What is the significance of Egypt? Well, God chose this place, Egypt, to protect his son. It was a pagan land. It was a land uh, that was filled with sin. Uh, and, and it was a great problem. But I believe that God is showing us that his plan is always greater than our problems. 
I believe that he was showing us through the land of Egypt that this is a lonely place. They did not know anyone. It was a pagan place. They, they did not want to be like anyone. Uh, but it was God's plan. And I believe that God uh, was showing that this would be his plan one day when little Moses was uh, laid into the bulrushes. And I think we have a picture, a, 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 a painting of, of Jochebed, Moses' mother, putting him into the basket with Miriam. The same uh, name for Mary uh, living uh, there in, in, in a pagan land under Pharaoh. And what was Pharaoh trying to do? He was trying to do the same thing Herod was trying to do. Kill the children. So they put Moses into a lonely space. Into a dangerous space. And, and, and this is what happened. In, in Exodus, and this is, I believe, a, a type of Christ, a, 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 a prophetic uh, uh, utterance of what would happen with Christ. They, the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. This is Moses. This is Jochebed's mom. Moses is, is, is three months old. When she, could not no lo- when she could not longer hide him, she took him uh, in an ark of, of bulrushes and and, and dubbed it with slime. This is not slime, teenagers, that you make, okay? Uh, this, is, this is different, but it was, it was pitch that would make this basket float. Put the child therein. She laid him in the flags of the river, river's brink. By the way, a, a river that was infested with crocodiles and all, all sorts of other um, prey that would, that would devour children. They would smell the children. It was terrible. It was a horrible thing that Pharaoh had decreed. But as horrible as Pharaoh was, God had a greater plan and Moses was that plan. Moses was put into danger. Moses was put in a lonely uh, uh, place in the bulrushes. And, and the word Egypt, it, it, it's a, it was a region or is a, a, a place in Ethiopia. Ethiopia was all of Africa back 2,000 years ago. So, so now it's a country, but it was all of Africa. And it was, Egypt was a region or a country inside of Ethiopia. But I love this, that Egypt literally comes from and means a castle for bondage or a refuge from trouble. And it would, it would be both in Scripture. It would be a, a castle for bondage. It, it, would, it would bound the children of Israel uh, in, their, in their fetters and, and, and Pharaoh would, would bind them uh, to uh, a, a task and, and, and hold them there. For 400 years, but it was a place of refuge, uh, both for Jacob and uh, Jacob's family, but and, and Joseph, but also for Jesus when he was about two years old. God has something in store for you, and and here's the key thought here uh, of this of this point is that everyone wants to experience God's power, but few want to trust His plan. See, there's a lot of people who want God's protection. And they want to see God's power. And by the way, I'm one of those people. But we cannot have God's power and God's protection if we are rejecting his plan. God has a plan. And God loves you enough not to hide that plan. God loves you enough to say, hey, this is my plan. This is my design. This is, this is what I want you to experience. And, and I, I think to myself that there's been so many times when I thought I knew better than God. And I think that there was probably some fleeting thoughts in in, in Joseph's mind to say, Egypt? Why not Edom? I mean, Edom was 40 miles away. It was also protected. Oh, why, why not uh, go north? Why not go above uh, Galilee to Tyre and Sidon? Oh, it was a beautiful city. They knew the city. They had friends and family, no doubt, nearby in Nazareth. Why Anywhere but Egypt. But God said, I want you to go to Egypt. God's plan was greater than their pain. God's plan was greater than their struggle. God's plan was provided by the Persians, but it was, it was getting them to a place that they didn't want to go in, a place of discomfort, a place that was, that was not what they expected or anticipated. It was not something they envisioned, but, but it was God's plan, and they trusted God's plan. And because they trusted God's plan, they were no doubt so grateful that God brought them provision and protection. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I, was, um, I, I was in the school office trying to pick up my boys early, and, and uh, I wrote down the reason, and, and uh, the, the boys were about 
30 minutes from getting out of school. And um, my, my boys are at the stage where, where they're, you know, Chandler's in first grade, so he's actually liking school. Camden's, you know, doesn't know how he feels about it. And, and, uh, and so, but they were at the end of the day, and at the end of the day, that's when you get all your homework done and everything. And so they were, they were on a roll, and I, and I had not told them that they were going to be pulled out of school, but I pulled them out of school early. And, uh, and so they came to the office, and they're like, what are we doing? Why, why are you picking us up? And I said, well, you know, we, we have a few plans. We have a few things we want to do with you. And uh, they go, oh, well, what is it? And I said, we'll tell you in the car. We'll tell you in the car. And if you have kids like mine, they don't stop asking. It's like, what is it? What is it? What is it? I already told you. We're going to tell you in the, in the car when we get with mom. And so went and picked up Danielle. And, and uh, we had seen some billboards. And, and uh, if you talk about something, your phone's really creepy. It gives you all these, you know, ads that was exactly what you just talked about, which is kind of creepy. Uh, so we had all of these things telling us about this, um, this thing down in L.A. It was my, my boys are really into Nerf guns, so they wanted to go and, and to go to this Nerf, Nerf place where you could, you know, there's a million Nerf bullets, and they want to shoot Nerf bullets. Well, I happen to know that they, there are these guys who they follow, um, and, and uh, they're Christian guys. They met at a Bible study at Texas A&M, but they're YouTubers. And, I mean, I grew up, you know, uh, trading, um, you know, baseball cards. I mean, they're growing up, you know, looking to these YouTubers, you know, so I wanted to meet, you know, John Elway, and they want to meet this YouTuber I'd never mentioned, or I'd never, you know, met or, or knew about, but these guys seem to be good, and I let them watch some of their sports videos and, and some of their trick shots, and so, um, so they were going to be there, and I thought, well, that would be cool, maybe we can see them, you know, maybe we can get a picture or whatever. Well, when we got home, the boys got distracted, and they're taking their sweet time. I'm like, we're going to miss it. Like, we had a certain window where we had to be there. I mean, you guys, you have no idea what's going on. Like, get in the car. And so finally, Danielle and I are looking at each other like, this is crazy. Like, if they only knew what we had planned. So we're sitting there. So I start just backing out of the garage. They're just coming, you know, they're just taking their time. And I'm like, oh, my word, you know, what's going on? So, so finally, I didn't tell them. I didn't tell them anything. I said, forget it. I'm not going to tell them. They got in the car, and they said, all right, guys, we're going to this nerve thing. Oh, we're so excited, you know, and I didn't tell them anything about who would be there or whatever. And um, I, I think we have a video. You guys don't have to play the sound or whatever, but, but, but when we walked in, these guys got walked in. Well, I didn't know, you know. So, so here they are. Here's Camden. I mean, these high-fiving these guys. I guess they're, they're, they're big on YouTube. They, they have a, a few billion views on YouTube. That's just how our, our, our culture works now, right? I mean, these guys just put videos up on YouTube, and, and that's, that's how they make their living, you know, feed their families, right? So, so, so here they are. Camden's so excited, like, he cannot wait, and we actually got a picture with them, uh, and, and I remember right after this picture, okay, right after I got, we got pictures with these guys, okay, they're called Do Perfect, right after we got a picture with them, we, we went around the corner, and I said, guys, listen, did you want to stay in school like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, all of those times, we're trying to get you in the car, we're trying to pick, and, and you were fighting us the entire way, complaining, right? Not wanting to do it. Little did they know what we had planned. Now, let me read a verse to you in Corinthians, and this is what I thought of. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. We can't even fathom the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Listen, God has something planned for you. And you know what Egypt teaches us? Is that if we'll trust him in our Egypt, God has something waiting for us. God has redemption. God had redemption waiting. God had grace waiting. God had power waiting. But all that power was coming through Egypt. So listen, I know some of you. I know some of your Egypts. And I know you're in a lonely place, and you're in a place, especially during the holidays, where you're, you just don't know why God would put you in that place. And I don't know why God picked Egypt. I don't know why God picked, you, picked that place. But can I just say something? That God has a plan, and I don't know when or where or what that plan is, and neither do you, but I can promise you that if you will trust his plan, it'll be better than yours. And so, God revealed his love through Persia. God revealed his power through Egypt. But then I want you to see finally, and then we're finished, God would reveal his grace through Nazareth. God revealed his grace through Nazareth. You see, 
the hardest part of this story and the part that I have friends who've turned from the faith because of these next three verses that we'll read. So difficult. But in verse number 16, while Jesus was in Egypt, this is what God was sparing Mary and Joseph and and Jesus from. Herod saw that he was mocked of the wise men. He was exceeding wroth. And sent forth and slew, oh, oh, did he did he, did, he, did he try to make it right with the wise men? No. He didn't pick a fight with someone his own size. No, what did, what did he do? He did what any coward does. He preyed on the innocent. And he slew all the children. And this is the saddest thing, that we're in Bethlehem, but not just in Bethlehem, but all the coast thereof. Many scholars believe this, was, this, this could be up to 100 children. How terrible that is. Pulled from their mother's screaming arms and, and in the coast thereof from two years old and younger under according to the time that was diligently inquired of the wise men. So he took the timeline he'd, and, he, and he sadistically uh, thought through how old Jesus would be and when it was fulfilled by the, by the prophet Jeremy or Jeremiah saying, in Ramah, which is right above Bethlehem, was, a, was there a voice heard lamentation and weeping great mourning Rachel who's buried in Ramah right above uh, Bethlehem weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they were not I have a lot of people who ask me this why does a good God let terrible things happen let me just say something that if we trust that God is actually good We have to trust that he knows more than we do. And we have to trust that not only is he loving, but he's also just. And a lot of people don't read the end of the story because just months after Herod does this, he does not just come down with one disease. He comes down with five diseases. And physicians tell us that the five diseases that he had were the most painful way a person can possibly die. He wanted to torture Jesus and then kill him. So God said, let me give you a taste of your own medicine, Herod. Here's what it feels like to be tortured and then die. So oftentimes we ask, why would a good God allow? But rarely do we ask, Why would a just God allow? You see, the last thing that God showed us through Nazareth is his grace. See, we all want grace. We all want God to be a little less just when it comes to us. We all want his mercy, right? But then when someone does something horribly, from their own sinful, terrible will and choice. We have to trust God. I want you to look at the rest of this as we finish. And, and, and this is just an amazing thing that, that God tells. In, in verse number um, 19, an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. Lots of dreams going on here, but the Lord appears to Joseph this way, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother in the land of Israel, and, 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 and the last verse, last part of the verse, just for sake of time, just says, go to Nazareth. And I sat there, and I've, I've thought a lot about this this month, and I've, I've brought it up to you several times. Why Nazareth? And I believe God used Nazareth to show his grace. I, I believe that, that, that there was something good that came out of Nazareth, and, and it was Jesus Christ. But, but I believe that Nazareth needed to be because Nazareth comes from the root word Netzer. And the root word netzer, it just means a dead branch, a, a, a dead tree. And, you know, I, I talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about the fig tree, but there are a lot of dead trees. This, this dead tree came from the, the property right down the street that we just closed on, that we've been trying to clear some of the branches when we got snow a few weeks ago. A lot of the trees uh, couldn't handle it, and uh, a lot of the branches fell, and this is one of them. 
But I, I thought about a netzer. I, I thought about a broken tree, a broken branch. I thought, what does that mean for us? Well, God, why did you tell him not to go back to somewhere that was a little bit more comfortable, Bethlehem, but why Nazareth? I believe one of the things he was trying to image for us, and we'll close with this, is, is that, that it was a, a, a branch spring, a, a, something that would grow out of Nazareth, is something that would be fruitful from something that was dead. You know, there's some things about a dead tree. A, a, a dead tree, it, it's, it's unproductive. It, it's it's not useful as, as much as it used to be. It's unpleasant. I cut myself on this yesterday. I mean, it's, it's unpleasant. It's sharp. It's, it's, not, uh, it, it's not something that you would want to just put in a, plot, on a, on a, in a plant in front of your house. Okay? It, it, it's just not. It's, it, it's kind of gnarly. It's, it's, it's unstable. It's not something you want to lean on. It, it, a, a dead branch is not something that, uh, that is secure. It, it's not secure at all. And I believe that this Netzer, the, the, the dead tree of, of Nazareth, a, a, a town that used to be, that, that was no more, I believe it was picturing something greater. I, I believe it was picturing the dead tree that Jesus would hang on. I believe that it would picture the fact that Jesus would come to an unproductive, unpleasant, unstable, insecure world and that he would bring security to those who need it the most. That he would bring stability to those who needed it the most. That he would bring a a pleasant peace as the prince of peace. That he would bring a productiveness, a power that we would not have. And he would do it through a netzer, through a dead tree. He would hang on a dead tree and be pierced with the spear, the persia. He would be uh, unleashed with the power of darkness so that we could have the power of his dear light. Let me tell you something about the cross. Jesus did not come to live a life of ease. He came to live a life of pain so that we could live eternally with him forever. Here's the takeaway I want you to understand. It is this, that God can give us stability despite whatever instabilities in your life. I don't know what makes you insecure. Maybe this season, maybe family, uh, maybe a lack of funds. I don't know what makes you fearful or insecure or anxious, but I will tell you that He can bring you security. More than anything else in this world, He can bring you what you cannot bring in yourself. And the greatest thing He can bring you is what was mentioned in Mark chapter 16. Of all the things that could have been mentioned about Jesus, here's what was mentioned. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be insecure, the, the angel said. But he said this, ye seek Jesus of Jerusalem, of Bethany, of Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem. No, you seek Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus chose to be defined by the Netzer. He chose to be defined by death and pain and shame so that you could be defined with love and power and grace. But we must receive this. And Jesus hung on a dead tree, a netzer, called Calvary, so that we could have life and peace for eternity. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church. Or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Five New Life. Have an amazing day.